Hello, everybody. Welcome once again to Vineyard Community Church. As uh, we celebrate our Fisherman's Blessing weekend this weekend, and so I, I thought we'd take a little break in the action in our, the series that we've been in about what we're going to do and that we would sort of talk about fishing a little bit, fishermen and uh, some of those things that are going on and, and uh, sort of make it an applicable uh, message for our weekend. We're, we had a great time last year doing our Fisherman's Blessing. We're looking forward to it again this year as people come and we, we try and do it on this weekend just before mini lobster season. Um, because the commercial guys can't get their traps out yet, so we're hoping they can come over here, take a break from fixing their traps, and come over and get blessed, and, uh, and then also put, pray for everybody that will be out this week, and, uh, which is an important thing with all the people coming down. So we do Fisherman's Blessing. Uh, fishing's uh, interesting, and I, I'm, I'm pretty excited about uh, talking about that today. I like thinking about fishing. Uh, there's, there's a lot of, lot of great sort of analogies that you can uh, apply from fishing into the Christian life, and a lot of the disciples were fishermen, and so we'll be talking about that today. So that's where we're headed. I always do a bad joke or two between that little intro and the main thing, and uh, fishing things sort of come around like, like there's a, Dave Barry, he wrote, he wrote this, um, fishing is boring unless you catch an actual fish, and then it's disgusting. <laughs> I, so... That's for the sort of non-fisher people, I guess. This is good. Nobody knows who wrote this. Nothing makes a fish bigger than almost being caught. True, right? All right. And then a couple of my fallback fishing jokes. So this small town doctor, he was famous in the area for always catching large fish. One day, he was on one of his frequent fishing trips. He gets a call that, that a woman at a farm nearby, the lake he was fishing, was giving birth. And so he rushes over to help her and delivers a healthy baby boy. Uh, but the farmer had nothing to weigh the baby with, so the doctor used his fishing scales. That baby weighed 21 pounds, 13 ounces. <laughs> and then, just, then I, you've heard this one, but this is one of my, my favorite, so I, I like this. It's a simple one. So if you know the answer, don't shout it out. What do you call a fish with no eyes? No? Nothing? (laughs) She gets it, but she's not going to laugh. All right, never mind then. Fish with no eyes. Okay. I probably shouldn't do that one. (laughs) I thought that would be the big closer. Yeah, that fell flat. Okay, so last year, oops, I should have started my timer five minutes ago. Last year, we, um, we talked about fishing uh, as well, and uh, one of the things that we talked about last year, some of the things we talked about last year is the, the fact that Jesus likes fishermen. Um, it's very possible that seven of the 12 disciples that he called were fishermen. Uh, we're, we're, we're confident that it's at least five, but it could have been seven, um, and, and so... Um, Fish, and he, so he, you know, he, these were the guys that Jesus picked because they have really good qualities. Um, they keep it the ready. Uh, all of the fishermen that Jesus called were busy when he called to follow. They were either casting or preparing or washing their nets. And that's a, those of you that are fishermen know that that's part of the deal. It takes a, sort of a lot of work. Uh, and so they're, they're usually pretty much ready and they're busy and they're, they're willing to do the work to make that happen. Uh, another quality that we talked about last year is that fishermen usually are patient um, because they have to oftentimes wait for things to happen. 
and, and uh, you know, like, you know, like, well, let's just give this spot a few more minutes before we go to the next one. I, I know times in my own life when we've had, you know, that's been the sort of thing. Oh, we're just to get tired. And let's just, okay, a few more minutes. And sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't. We also said last year that fishermen, one of their qualities is they go fishing expecting to catch something. So that, that's pretty good. There's an expectancy about fishermen that I think is a good quality in believers, you know, that, that uh, you know, we expect things to happen. They don't, they don't just, you know, most fishermen don't put all the time and effort and money into going out to not catch anything. They, if you talk to them, they're going out to catch something. And, and uh, so that, that, that's pretty important. And also, you know, it's a fairly courageous thing to go fishing. They deal with oftentimes, you know, bad weather, deep waters. Um, I, I sometimes watch The Deadliest Catch. I don't know if you've ever seen that show, Crab Fisherman Up in Alaska. No way would I do that. Uh, so that, very courageous sort of things. So I, I think, you know, we can look at, um, today what I want to look at is we're going to actually use some of the same, that same sort of story that I took those points from last year. And I want to see um, some things that maybe we can learn from the way that Jesus relates to his disciples in the process. So the scripture reading is this in John 21, verses 1 through 6. Afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. It happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, called Didymus, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them. And they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat. But that night, they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. And when they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Blessed be the word of the Lord. So seven of the disciples were together at this time. Peter, Thomas, Nathaniel, James, John, those are the sons of Zebedee, two others whose names aren't mentioned, but which is why I said, you know, we... It's very possible that all these seven guys were commercial fishermen when they were called into uh, ministry by Jesus. And so um, Peter decides to go fishing, and the others agree to go with him. Now, you know, to set the stage a little bit, um, this is the, they've seen the resurrected Jesus, but they're not really sure what's going on yet, the disciples. And you've got guys like Peter who... Um, denied Jesus three times. You got the rest of the guys who all, you know, all scattered um, before the, you know, the events of the crucifixion. Um, they're all dealing with a huge change in, the, in their paradigm of thinking. You know, they were all convinced that Jesus was going to set up an earthly kingdom that would you know, rival the Davidic kingdom that they were expecting the you know, Messiah to come and put back in order. And nothing's that, it didn't happen that way, you know, their, their constant arguments about who would be in the greatest has all been put aside, they don't even know what's going on, what to do, what's going to happen next, and at some level, in their sort of not knowing or sort of hanging around, um, they decide to go fishing, and, and you know, a part of me thinks they were, they were sort of going back to what they knew how to do before their three years with Jesus, because they didn't sure, they just weren't sure what was going on, and and so sometimes, you know, you just sort of go back to what you know or you, you begin to take matters in your own hands and move in that question, uh, you know, move into that direction. And so they, they fish all night and they don't catch anything. Now remember, these are fishermen. These are commercial guys. They know what they're doing. They fish all night and they don't catch anything. And Jesus asks them this great question. Friends, haven't you any fish? 
Now, they're not even sure it's Jesus, but you need to know the importance of the question. That's one of those life-changing questions. You know, I said, Jesus asks a lot of neat questions, and I love to look at the things that Jesus asks. There's a lot in that whole process. Um, so, in effect, what he says is, um, hey, haven't you guys caught any fish? You know, or, you know, how's that whole fishing thing working out for you? So, you sort of took off and went back to fishing. Is it, is it what you thought it would be? Um, you know, how's it going for you? And, and I think that's a, a pretty interesting sort of conversation to have to, for them to start thinking about. And I start thinking, you know, I've talked to you about this, you know, you put, try and put yourself into those places and ask God to help you with your holy imagination. What would that have been like? And I started thinking, what would it have been like to be one of those disciples at that moment? And, and so, uh, you know, I start thinking this way. I, I start thinking, you know, they just fished all night. Perhaps they were tired or especially when they weren't successful, maybe even weary. Um, I think the not knowing, they were, they were unsettled. And I also think they were pretty frustrated at this point in time because they've gone back to what they know, thinking they could go catch fish, and they're not catching any fish, and that's a pretty significant problem um, in, in the process. So, so most likely they're tired, perhaps weary, unsettled, at the very least, and also frustrated. I, I thought, you know, we'll talk more about the frustration in a minute, because that one really kind of stuck with me. But I think even those things, um, being tired or weary, uh, um, being unsettled, and being frustrated are things that we can relate to, and that's what we would talk about a little bit tonight, what that looks like, and, and you know, what we're experiencing, and how we can experience those things in life, and what we need to do when we're experiencing those feelings. And I like this too, you know, this is Jesus who's talking to him. And so he asks this question, even though he already knows what they're going through and what they need. Remember, he's Jesus, he knows everything. But he asks these questions, not for his behalf. The answer is never for Jesus, it's for you. It's for you to think about it. It's for you to, to sort of connect with the reality of how desperately you need Jesus in your life. See, these guys needed Jesus. Going back to what they knew wasn't going to work. They needed Jesus. So he asked questions to make them think about it. And, and I'm sure it stirred them up in lots of different ways. Matthew 6, 8, it says, you know, Jesus said, don't be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. So, so it's not like God doesn't know what's going on or, or you know, he, that Jesus didn't know what was happening, but, but he wants them to share their need with him. See, the, the idea is he wants us to connect with the reality that we need him so if he was just constantly moving into everything that we have going on without us sort of understanding that we need him in that process, we would begin to think we were doing it our own strength and then we wouldn't need God. And that's a bad place to be. Um, whenever you get to that spot, you're in trouble. When you start thinking you can make it without him, not a good situation. We have to be very careful in our culture, even as believers, because we live in a, in a place of, uh, you know, compared to the rest of the world, tremendous prosperity, um, you know, we have to be careful we don't begin to take things for granted. You know, when I've traveled to, to poorer places, um, you know, where, where oftentimes believers, they, when, they took, when they're praying for daily bread, they are literally praying for their next meal. And they have to. Because they don't have it sitting in the refrigerator. They don't have access to a grocery store down the street. Um, they, they need to pray for that next meal to see it happen. And, uh, to, and they're, they're continually tapping into the faithfulness of God in that process and the importance of prayer. Most of us aren't in that situation, some, sometimes, but not, not generally. Normally, we, we sort of have an idea about our next meal, 
the vast majority of us. Where the next one's coming from, it's already sitting in the refrigerator, or we can go and we can go and figure out how to get it. Um, but not so in other places. So, so the idea is, you know, being aware of the fact that, that it's not in our strength. Everything is in his strength. Uh, Philippians 4, 9, uh, Paul says this, My God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. So, so he's in the need meeting business, but, you know, part of the process is us knowing that we need to ask for his help um, in these, you know, in life. Um, he, he can't fill us with his power until we admit that we're empty. Uh, you know, that's, that's how that whole process works. And so, so this is what's going on in the, in the question. And so I think these are some legitimate questions for us to ask tonight. First, first question I wanted to ask, you know, are you tired or weary? In your own life, at this point in time, um, are you tired or weary? And I would say to you that I believe there's a difference between tired and weary. And let me try and explain it for you. Um, if you're tired... Oftentimes, all you need to do, and, I, and I've said this, and this is a whole other sermon, but oftentimes, all you need to get to is a snack and a nap. And if, if you can get to a snack and a nap, and it fixes your tired thing, that's all you are. You're just tired. You're not weary. You're just tired. And, and so, um, the reason I say that is I've done teachings on sort of, I call it my snack and nap theology that, that like, you know, and I go back and read about Elijah being fed by the ravens and, you know, and, and you know, a little drink and, and water and a little sleep time and he was like a different person. Well, oftentimes for us, that's what we need. So I always start there. If I'm tired, um, I think, okay, I need a snack and a nap. And then, uh, then I'm going to gauge how I feel after that. And, and many, many times, snack and a nap fixes whatever it is. I wake up, I'm refreshed, I'm not tired any longer. So that wasn't weariness. Weariness is different though. And when you're weary, you don't really snap back from it a, a weariness by sort of a snack and a nap. It's still kind of hanging on you. And, and so when you're weary and you, you sort of identify with that, then what you need to do is ask the Lord for help. He knows what you need, but you ask Him. And, and so I think it's important to ask the Lord for strength. And oftentimes I don't think we do it. So, so we, we need to sort of identify the need and then ask God for it. God, I'm just really weary. Uh, it's like I'm, I'm just, you know, carrying all this stuff. And, and uh, it's beyond tired now. It's weariness. Going to sleep isn't making it better. I'm weary. And so we ask him for strength. Isaiah 40, verses 28 through 31. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary. And his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary and young men stumble and fall, but those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. So, so you know, my question is this. If you've, if you've been sort of in that spot where... Um, you're tired or weary, and, the, and the, you know, the way you tell the difference is the snack and the nap didn't fix it. In that weariness, having identified, are you asking God to help you? So I think we miss it there sometimes. I think that's the problem. We don't ask God for his help, and he, he says he, you know, he brings strength to the weary. He, he overcomes that if you ask him. I, I think we just need to get before him and say, Lord, I'm just so, so desperate. I need, I need so much from you, and he meets us there. And he will meet you there and give you um, strength for your weariness 
And, and the promise is, you know, he'll, he'll renew your strength. He, they'll soar on wings like eagles, run and not grow weary, walk and not be faint. I like that whole concept. And so, you know, my encouragement would be if you've been experiencing that, seek out God and ask him for strength. And he meets you there. That's what he does. You know, in the, I didn't finish the story of the fish. You know what happens is when he says, haven't you any fish? And they kind of go, no. He says, toss that net on the other side. And they catch more than they can handle. See, Jesus has what we need, but we need to ask for what's going on. Second, are you unsettled? I think this, you know, pops up in the story too, an unsettledness. The guys just aren't sure what's happening. And everything they thought was going to happen hasn't happened and, and now they're trying to wrap their minds around everything that Jesus was teaching them. And, and yet, because they were sort of stuck in how they thought it was supposed to work out, and it didn't work out that way, they got this whole new thing happen, and, and they're sort of in this weight, and they're unsettled. And I think sometimes we feel unsettled in life. We're just not sure what's going on, what's next, what we're supposed to be. And it's, I would, I would say unsettledness is, is not being able to be at rest in your soul. It's not a tiredness or a weariness. It's an unsettledness. It's a soul thing. And, and um, you're, you're, you're just not able to rest. I, I, I have this thought. It's kind of like um, trying to juggle plates and like good plates. So you don't want them to drop, but you've got a lot of them going around. And so you're, you're so focused on it and they're just, you're not settled. There's no peace in it. And, and, and so you know, if you can identify with that whole thing, again, I think it's something that we need to get to God with and, and just deal with it and, 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 and ask him to help us in the process. And there's a proverb that I think is perfect for that situation. It's Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. I think, you know, when we, when we realize that we're unsettled, that, that what we need to do is, is just, you know, get real before God and decide, you know, God, you've, you've always been trustworthy. I'm going to trust you again. I'm going to trust you still. I'm not going to try and figure this out on my own strength. I'm not going to try and make it work by my own power. Lord, I need your help in this process because you're God and you're good. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. So I think this is another thing that, that the guys were going through that we can relate to. And again, he's more than ready to meet us in that spot. We need to ask. And I think we forget to ask sometimes. It's part of the issue and the, and the process. Third, are you frustrated? Are you frustrated? Frustration, I don't know about you, but when I'm frustrated, I can get in all sorts of trouble because I kind of get right on the edge I, I'm trying, I can get really snippy and sarcastic. None of you ever get like that, I'm sure. But if I'm frustrated and somebody comes with me I'm, I, and, and, and says something that's even just... Normally, if I'm not frustrated, I can, you can say just about anything to me and it's a non-issue. But if you catch me a little frustrated and say something to me, I might just snap. And I work really hard not to do that nowadays, but it, I, can, you know, I can feel it sometimes. And... and and generally, it's only happening if I'm frustrated by events. And I sort of had this thought, I don't know, but especially about Peter. Um, I had this thought that when Jesus said, because you, you know how, Jesus asked the question funny, friends, haven't you any fish? <laughs> now, I had this thought that Peter, 
would have taken that, some offense to that because he was Peter. And they weren't sure who it was on the beach anyway. And these were all guys who knew what they were doing. And the answer is no. But I, I think, you know, so you can say no and, the, and you're thinking like, who the heck is this guy? And then he says, oh, well, listen, here's all you need to do. Toss, toss that net there on the other side of the boat. But how do you th- do you, <laughs> do you ever have somebody come to you when you're a little frustrated and you're sort of a professional at what you're supposed to be doing anyway? You know what you're supposed to be doing, but it's not going the way you might imagine. And somebody comes along who you don't think knows anything about what you're doing and they begin to tell you how to do what you do. <laughs> do you ever just go, thank you so much for the advice. I'm so excited you showed up just in time. Hallelujah. I, <laughs> I think these are fishermen thinking, who is this guy and can we use him for bait? <laughs> Maybe they weren't thinking that way. They were the disciples after all, but... <laughs> Did you like that? I had this... When I was... I got time, I'm going to go on a side story here about fishing. When I was a kid, I was a kid, a young guy. I moved down here when I was 19, and so I'm 55 now, so a long time ago. But when I was 19 and 20 and 21, um, I, I was on the water pretty much every day. I worked nights and I had a friend that had a boat and, and we would virtually get up after a few hours sleep and we would go out on the water every day. We went fishing, we went diving, we went snorkeling, we did all that stuff. And, and so I'm young and I'm bulletproof, you know, and I, and I loved all this stuff. I don't go out much now because my skin doesn't like that much sun any longer. It's just, I did to rebel. So, but back then, you know, anybody here ever young and bulletproof? And that was me, right? And so we would do anything. We went on these huge... We went diving in ridiculous depths and chased sharks and did all sorts of crazy stuff. And, and I remember, because I was thinking about that whole process and being frustrated, there was one of the things that we used to love to do, and I look back on it now and I think how silly it was, but we would go out in the back country almost all the time. Uh, you know, it was a regular event. And, and we worked nights in clubs and stuff. And so we would... One of our things every night, we would try and find someone that would go out in the boat with us to drive the boat. And we'd make it sound like it was a really good deal. <laughs> it really wasn't. <laughs> and, and then my friend and I, we would, we would show them how, what we wanted to do with the boat. We wanted to go kind of slow over the backcountry, and both he and I would get back um, out in the water with snorkeling gear and hang on to ropes about 30 feet off the boat, and we would drag the backcountry. And, and they'd just take us real slow across, and you can see everything. And then as soon as one of you spotted, you know, a hole, there's all sorts of holes back there that you miss. Um, I don't know from, I don't know how they got all back there, but, and so you'd drop, you'd let go of the rope, and um, the, the people on the boat were supposed to be watching you, and when they saw that you would go, they would pull back, and the other guy would come and find you, and you'd go in that hole, and you'd take out all the fish and all the lobster that you could. You'd just hit it hard and fast, and that's what we did. But I look back at that now, and I think to myself, what we were doing, and without realizing it, was we were trolling for sharks. <laughs> and I think, I wouldn't do that in a million years right now. This, we were big shark bait back there. Fortunately, I guess we never, there was never a shark that big hanging around. But it's like giant shark baits hanging off of two lines because it's just that slow speed, you know what I mean? That, that a big shark could look and... Look, there's a seal way off... <laughs> way out of bounds right now. Anyway, I'm off track. Are you frustrated? Are you... <laughs> Maybe because I'm going so long. Philippians 4, 6 through 9. Great verses. Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. 
Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you've learned or received or heard from me, seen in me, put into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. When, when you're frustrated, that's really, I think, the key is to just kind of take a deep breath and remember those verses. Don't be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Again, we need him desperately. And when we're frustrated, it means, usually what it means is we're way into our own thing and doing it our own way and our own strength. And because it's not going the way we want, we get frustrated. And it's a clue that we're desperate for God. So what do we do? Last little thing, because Peter gives us this nice little fishing illustration with the next verse. First Peter 5, 7, cast all your anxiety on him. Because he cares for you. That word cast is, is exactly what it sounds like. It's a, it's a, it's a term that you, it's a, it's a throw term. It was about nets and everything. For most of you that are fishermen now, it's like just taking that and just casting that thing way out there. And, and we're supposed to do, just cast it all on Jesus. And he meets us there. You know the problem we have though, even when we cast? You, you know what a lot of people do the minute they cast? They can't deal with it. They reel that bad boy back in again. And that's, you're not supposed to do that with your anxieties. But you ever, you ever, you ever fish like that? Some people, you, you make a big cast, and then all of a sudden you think to yourself, I wonder if the bait's still on there. <laughs> I better reel that in and check it out. And you got, oh, the bait's fine. Back out it goes. And then you're like, oh, that didn't seem to land right. And you reel it in again. Don't do that with your anxieties. You, when you cast them, you just cast them. There's no reeling those back in, although you'll be tempted to. Cast it out there. Let it go because he cares for you. That's the whole deal of this whole story. You know that Jesus cared for his disciples. That's why he met them at the beach. That's why he was with them. He wanted them to know, look, I'm with you. I'm for you. I got you. It's going to be okay. And then, you know, not only does he provide that fish for them to give them that and cement that in, he cooks breakfast for them. They all get a fish sandwich. And then what does he do? He reinstates Peter three times for the three times that Peter denied. Jesus, there, Peter denied him. Do you love me, Peter? Do you love me, Peter? Do you love me? Yes, Lord, I love you back in and Peter becomes so useful in the kingdom so I want you to think about those things and think about that as you are uh, fishing uh, on your journeys and all those things today with that said I want to do this um, are there any I don't know tonight if there's any are there any commercial fishermen here charter boat people any of you guys any of those things okay so I don't need to do that one Anybody here, just recreational fisher people, you like to fish, sports fishers, any of those guys, why don't you stand up? I want to pray a blessing over you for this year, all right? So if you, if you like to fish, if you think about fishing, if you eat fish, <laughs> if you cook fish, uh, <laughs> I want to pray a blessing on you. Father, thank you so much for your goodness to us, your faithfulness to us, and your love for us. And I pray blessing on everyone that goes fishing here. For those people in the room, Lord, watch over them, protect them when they're on the water or when they're on the bridges or when they're on the shores fishing or in the canals fishing or, or eating fish or whatever it might be or preparing fish. Just bless them in the process and that, that each time we, we have those activities where we're fishing, that we would think about you and how much you love fishermen, Lord Jesus. And, and that your blessing would be upon each person, Father, here tonight in this whole process, that you would keep them safe and you would allow them to enjoy life knowing that they can ask you to meet them where they're at and that, God, you will.
that you know our needs. And you're ready to meet them, Lord, whenever we cry out, whenever we ask. And so I pray your blessing tonight on all those, Lord, that are fishing in, in this area as well this weekend, Lord, and this week. Watch over and protect them all, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. And amen. While you're standing, stay standing. Uh, let's go ahead and pray for our offering, and then we'll transition into our extended worship. Father, thank you for an opportunity to present to you uh, our tithe, our gift, or offering. We pray, God, you would use it to your glory, for that's why it's given. We come as cheerful givers, returning to you a portion of all that you've given us. And Papa, I pray you'd open the floodgates of heaven, meet each person here, Lord, right at the point of their need, and then overwhelm them with all that you are, your love, your mercy, your grace, your kindness, your compassion, and your incredible provision for your children. Lord, we love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Won't you come present your tithe, your gift, or offering, Lord?